marketing. Drunk marketing. Drunk marketing. Drunk marketing. Tomorrow is a big day for me. <laughs> it's as big as it gets in my world these days. All right. I am, I don't even know how it happened. I think I just saw it on Facebook one day and it was like a week and I was like, oh, I don't have my kids that night. There's this like wine bar barrel room that I know we've talked about the barrel room on the podcast before and they're hosting an event at their um, location and it's like this wine and craft night thing and I'm not a crafty person whatsoever so I'm really not even sure like what like how this all transpired but I think I saw it on Facebook and I was like oh that looks kind of interesting and it's like a pallet craft where it's like a piece of wood or like reclaimed wood or something and then um, there's like some different configurations and mine's gonna be like the state of Ohio and there's like a little heart on it and you um, you have to bring your own hammer, which sounds like a great thing. B-Y-O-H. Like wine. Yeah, B-Y-O-H. And then <laughs> um, you're going to be drinking wine. And I think, like, I saw it and I was like, oh, that seems fun. And I put that I was interested in going. And, like, next thing I knew, like, somebody, one of my old coworkers, Leanne, was like, hey, are you going to go to that? And I was like, I, I guess maybe I was kind of thinking of it. And then, like, like honestly, someone else chimed in and they were like, oh, I want to do that. Wow. And then so like Mary Beth and Leanne from work were both doing it. And then like right after that, I got a private message from my friend Carrie and this girl Kristen we were talking about and like had been talking about getting together anyway. And they were like, hey, I saw that like wine and craft thing. Like, I think we're going to go. Like, would you want like, would you be up for going? I was like, yeah, like, let's sure. Let's go. And then like next thing I knew, I had bought like five seats for yeah. this thing well, that's what i was gonna say the barrel room should pay you as like a, a rep you put interested in these events then everyone's yeah. coming out of the woodwork no pun intended well, to... like in the meantime <laughs> one of the people had already signed up so then i had an extra seat um so i've been trying to get together with my old neighbor cindy who also listens to the podcast so hi cindy um and i was like hey like I know she loves the barrel room as well. She's friends with the owner. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, hey, why don't you let's do this? So we're all coming. So she was just texting me about going tomorrow, and I, I made sure she's remembered to bring her hammer. I said my hammer's been sitting out for a couple of days. Yeah. Yeah, so ready. we have like a piece of wood. I'll have to take a picture of it tomorrow, and well, maybe we can use it as part of our um, – yeah, that'll be the preview Our for cover this episode art. or the cover art or something like that. Yeah, my my palette craft that I'll be making while drinking a lot of wine, probably. <laughs> and then hammering and nailing. And I'll just like have, maybe I'll just take a picture of like my fingers like wrapped in all band-aids. <laughs> <laughs> Blood everywhere. Like spilled wine glass. <laughs> yeah. And just wood hammered I think it, to the wall. <laughs> I think like when I'd seen it, I, you know, I don't remember if it was... Just before the the midterms, or maybe even it, it was it was definitely before. But it was one of those things like you see it and you're like, I you know need something to lighten my mood a little bit. Things are getting a little heavy around here. Right. Like good time to like get out and not really think about what's going on in the world. And just hammer some nails and make the state of Ohio and string some string around it. Yeah, there's like something with twine to you like. You put the nails on, and then you also... You put the twine in the coconut. 
You mix it all up. Yeah. Yeah, or something. <laughs> shake it up or you shake it off. I don't know what you do. It's a lot of different songs in one. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Your milkshake it off brings all the boys to the yard at that yeah, point. Yeah, I'm going to bring the entire state of Ohio to the pallet craft night. You're, you're halfway there, honestly. <laughs> With as many people I know is going. There's like six of us going as far as I'm as far as far I'm aware. Right. Unless Darla signed up. She was like maybe thinking of signing up too. I was pretty pumped. Yeah. I'm, yeah. That would be cool if she, if she would be able to do that. Mm. So speaking of the midterms, they they happened, and I'm glad they're over um, for a lot of reasons. I know we had talked about, we talked to Aaron, and you and I were both really fired up about election season. I know, I was going to vote early, and I didn't. And ready to vote. But I did vote. Yeah, we both voted on election day, but I was so happy. I voted early, as in it was 6.45. Yeah, early, you woke up early. A.M., I woke up early and voted, which I was pretty pumped. Like, I felt good about it, because I was like, hey, there's a line at this polling right, place, exactly. and the girl in front of me was like, there's never a line here. Um, there were a lot of older people in line, so like I didn't want to make judgment as to like which side they were voting on, but yeah, I, I don't right. know. I felt really good about all the people that I also knew who were at the polls, and again, kind of had the same experience where they definitely saw longer lines than usual, and... Mm-hmm. You know, like a yeah. lot of young people, there was a lot, a lot of young people. I mean, there were like there were a lot of older people, but there was definitely more young people that I'm used to seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was feeling really encouraged. Right. So good job, Aaron. You did a, you did your job. You got a lot of people out to vote in the in the election. So it was really a really great turnout. So I was I was excited for election day. I was a little nervous watching the results. I think the results um, got a little bit on both sides without tipping my hat too much of what I was what I was hoping for there was there's a little bit for each side to take home and and be proud of and I know they're still counting votes today I made but, like picture notes on mine of like a frowny face and then a happy face and <laughs> of how I was feeling towards it right a lot, um, lot of mixed emotions <laughs> but one th- like I said one thing I was really happy about was that I no longer have to see these aggressive political ads during Jeopardy. Yes. (laughs) I mean... Like, it was just getting to the point, it was so Now we're just going to be... We're just going to get lots of, um, like, uh, uh, Cialis and Tribeca and... Other old people ads, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All the the medications. Right. But honestly, I, I can tune those out, and they don't bother me as much as, like... Steve Diddleback let you down. <laughs> like Richard Cordray raped one thousand women. Like you know, and that type of deal. And you're just like, oh my god, that's a turn the shit off. Yeah, and it would be like back to back because we were like, Mike Dewine is the spawn of Satan. Right. Like his mom was actually Beelzebub's <laughs> wet nurse. Right. And like it was some kind of crazy shit, and then like right after that, it'd be like Richard Cordray. Right, exactly. <laughs> it was like the Bobby Newport Parks and Rec voice of like the <laughs> negatives, of the smear ad. Bobby Newport, Bobby Newport, <laughs> Bobby Newport. They probably all of mine just all sounded the same and not very good, but well, you know, they got the gist. Yeah, they, you get like the the angry movie phone guy voice and right. just talking about uh, all the terrible things that. The other one's done, and it, it does. It gets to be a little bit overwhelming. And um, I had a couple uh, local friends, I think I'd mentioned before, who were running um, one for a House seat, one for a Senate seat. 
And the one um, person in particular, the opposing candidate had run some like kind of nasty ads against her and she came back out and she definitely didn't have the type of funding and the backing that this other candidate did, but she very like, you know, put on Facebook, was very verbal about the fact that she refused to run any kind of negative campaigns. Um, she refused to assault anyone's character. She refused to do waste her time digging up and trying to find secrets on this person that they, right. you know, really wasn't going to make a difference at the end of the day anyway. Um, that's kind of something that I was thinking about, like, because you know, you'll see on Facebook in, and on social media, kind of in between all of the, the actual sponsored posts, um, you've got friends and family members and people that you went to middle school with that you wonder <laughs> why you're still friends with on Facebook, but you just can't quite pull the trigger on unfriending them yet. Um, you know, posting these, you know, sharing their own opinions. And then you always see like the, the intermittent like person that posts something like, um, like it was like, you know, your political Facebook post isn't going to change my mind right? <laughs> kind of mentality. But I was thinking about it and I was like, you know, obviously in 2016, people's minds were changed. People saw a lot of things in 2016. I mean, obviously there's well, and I think- a lot of stuff going. I mean, there's still investigations going on around um, tampering and interference and... Yeah, that's it's an interesting point. I mean, I don't know that people's minds were changed necessarily, but where where they might not have had a big opinion, right? Or like they gained one because they saw like some posts from someone who they thought was in Black Lives Matter punching a cop, and they're like didn't really have a strong opinion on it before, but then they see like this like staged video from Russia, and right. they're just like fuck Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, and like I'm gonna vote for Donald Trump now because that's what he says, right? So it was like a weird like that kind of stuff was getting like pretty psychological and like crazy. Cause like you probably weren't going to flip uh, like super blue hearted to red hearted. You know, I'm, liber- I'm a libertarian now. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like it's <laughs> maybe not- that actually did happen. Well, <laughs> yeah. Some people, <laughs> but yeah, that, that was interesting. And that's going to be a topic we dive into a little later on political drunk marketing. Um, but <laughs> it was an interesting, like what they did was play up both sides and just kind of incite like divisiveness. Um, but this week's topic, based on the on the midterms, is a little more uh, lighthearted, and it's what businesses can learn from political marketing. Um, and I was talking to you today, and I was like, I don't have... I did it at the time when we were talking about this topic. I knew I wanted to do it, but I was like, I don't have a strong, like, this is what... Like, in my head, I'm like, okay, I know the point that I'm trying to make when I have this topic. Like, I'm going to start here and end here, which I don't have often have. But I knew, I was like, they're two very different things. Like, when I see political ads and when I see regular ads, like, the political ads I always end up paying attention to when they're, like, in your face. And the regular ads, I'm pretty well able to tune out um, at this point, unless it's something, like, that's really going to cut through the clutter. And so I was just kind of thinking, like, well, what, like, I'm sure a brand would love to garner the type of attention that, like, the political ads and just, you know, what politicians, the attention that they're able to garner if a brand could, like get that type of attention, like that would be an A plus win um, for them. So I started to think about a little bit what political ads and just politicians in general, what they're doing to kind of build their brand and get their name out there and um, kind of in that marketplace (laughs) figure like to kind of stake their claim. Um, And I started, I started uh, just trying to figure out what they were doing from a 
like writing writing down every sort of political thing that I've seen, you know? Yeah, I kind of went a different route with that as far as where I ended up, which is something that we've talked about here on the podcast in the past. So I kind of didn't want to belabor the point anymore, which was like that subset of political activism that kind of comes out right. from brands um, like Nike, Penzi Spices, Ben & Jerry's, just to name a couple um, that we've talked about on the podcast. I don't mm-hmm. feel the need to to no, rehash yeah. the no. stories again, but um, you know, I guess that's more the the mindset that I was thinking versus like what are politicians doing or what what's happening in these political ads that mm-hmm. could um, be applied to a different you know laundry detergent or right pair of socks. Right. So I'm interested to see what you have though with this. If I feel the need to interject, I will, but okay. I'm going to let you go. Well, yeah, let me let me run through the list here. So one of the biggest things I know that politicians want to do is to build their brand and just get their solely get their name out there. Because a lot of times, even in like a local election or like a judge where there's no party affiliation or something like that, if I recognize a name, I'm more likely, and it's not just me, it's studies prove that people are way more likely to say like, well, I've heard that name before. And whether they've heard it because their next door neighbor has a sign in their yard or, you know, something like that, they're way more likely to vote for it. So it's the same thing in the buying process. If you need chips and you're looking at Lay's potato chips and brand you've never heard of before, you're more likely to pick Lay's just because of that name familiarity. Absolutely. Um, so that's one of the big things um, politicians try to do it through all of their efforts, and they're doing that through um, yard signs, which I think are a funny form of marketing because it's not something we ever think of. Like, I'm not going to be like, yeah, every rentware customer, we're going to put a sign yeah, in your yard. Like sometimes but, if you're getting like home repairs done or a roof I was gonna installed say, like, or something. I going to say like construction, landscape. Um, I know. You've got va- those lawn and order ones. Yeah. Like they always make me laugh because it looks like the law and order logo, but it's lawn and right, order. Right. And we remember, <laughs> we remember those things. Though, I laugh know? every time I see it. I'm like, yeah, that's a good one. And I know every single business I drive past in the spring has a Vasco um, asphalt paving oh, um, yeah. sign and they're because they redo the parking lots so i was thinking about t- companies who use that and use it effectively to get their to get their name out and obviously politics when you it's voting season you see signs in everyone's yard and every uh, empty field and and whatever so so in that same vein um and talking about like the notoriety first made me laugh because i will go back to to politics and i won't necessarily when it was like right after i'd moved to ohio um and one of the very first elections that I voted in, I just remember there was a campaign and it was like shared brown lettuce down. And I yeah, was like, and you man, still remember that. Like, what did that guy do? And at the time, like, I really didn't know anything about Ohio politics and I right. like really had to do a lot of research to figure out who I wanted to vote for. Right. But I was like, wait, I don't think this guy let us down after all. Like, <laughs> but it was such a catchy camp. Like, it was such yeah. a, a catchy slogan. Like, but that made me think about, um, I hate to say it, I hate to even use it as like an example, but there was in the 2016 election, there was a poll and they asked people um, to read or like to, to, they named each candidate and they said like, what's their slogan? And nobody knew Hillary's slogan. Nobody I knew. Do you know what Hillary? It was like moving forward or something about moving forward. Oh, there's or, an arrow. It was like FedEx, basically. Yeah. And then Bernie Sanders. But like every single person or like 90% of yeah, people MAGA. knew what MAGA, like knew the MAGA yeah, slogan. That's, that's great advertising and branding on their yeah, part. That's so like, amazing. If you want to, you know, come up with your brand, come up with that tagline or that slogan, something, you know, we kind of talked about it last week, even like 
the right. what's up, like right. the but like dilly dilly, those right. types of things that are catchy, that catchy and yeah. and people kind of um, they attach to it. Right, and, and I know, would err towards like "Make America Great Again" doesn't really mean anything, but it's like something that people were able to latch onto. It got its own MAGA. Um, people were spoofing it now, yeah. Like, but like something that's more like motivational is going to be a little. I think it's probably going to be less memorable than something that's catchy. Honestly, even if it's just. That's just the way our minds work. But yeah, so, I mean, politicians are building their brand and they're doing it through yard signs, through TV ads that you see all the time. They're on the radio. um, They're on social doing advertising and they're at local events, you know, so it's not just paid advertising. They're going places. They're meeting people. So if there's like a charitable fundraiser, they're there shaking hands. Well, think about Pride. Uh When we were at Pride over the the summer, it's like every band or every bank was there. Um, there were insurance companies there. There right, was Starbucks Goodyear. was there. Like all of the big players and you know, the the local banks, insurance and restaurants yeah. and and that kind of gets to my gets to my next point too. Um, but I will have two more points to make about brand. But yeah, okay, keep going. Sorry. Um, well, you know they're doing all of these things, and I think the bottom line when it comes to brand building, whether you're a politician or and this is something that politicians do really well, as long as they have enough money is that more is better. So no matter what it is, like just do more of it because that's how people are going to remember your name. If you have a really good ad that ran six weeks before the election and then you ran out of money for the next five weeks, like people are going to forget about you. If like super PACs are just going to start backing like laundry detergent. Right, yeah. (laughs) Could you imagine like the campaigns that are... We want Tide to do really well. Yeah. (laughs) It's invest in them, I guess. And so... It's and I was thinking about it. It's why the same brands because I think to myself like, why is Bud Light still running advertisements or why is Mercedes Benz sponsoring? Like, what is, what does Mercedes Benz get out of all these eyeballs on us? Like, everyone already knows who Mercedes Benz is. But I was like thinking about it then. I was like, well, what if they just stopped altogether a year from now? Like, I think less people would forget. They're like, oh right, Mercedes Benz. Yeah, I, I remember them. Well, even like, like Hummer or something like that. You know, like you can fall from people's memory pretty quick if you stop being in front of them. Yeah, I mean, I kind of think about like now that my kids are in school and they go to like the book fair and they get like the posters. But I remember my brother as a kid, like he always had Lamborghini posters up in his room, like mm-hmm. as the car, and I like never quite understood because my brother's not really into cars. Um, and I like never was really into cars, but like he had those couple of framed Lamborghini posters because he framed them. Yeah, like they thought. I mean, my parents probably just did it because they didn't want him to have like sticky sticky tack tack on the walls. This is before they just like decided to shrug their shoulders and let us like paint our and marker tag our rooms as as teenagers but but even now like you go to the book fair and they have those same types of like lamborghini posters are still there like your kids can still buy them at the book fair today and it's not necessarily the same branding in as mercedes-benz sponsoring some race but it gets back to like starting you know someone young right and there's a little kid who's watching a sporting event or whatever it is and they see the sponsor and they kind of like attach that and it becomes emotional it becomes nostalgic and then when they get older it's like they realize kind of what it is and it's like oh this is kind of maybe like a status symbol or something i can aspire to want in my life in the future and then when the time comes to make that purchase later in life like that's it's it's just it's the long game and it's something that we don't think about a lot um in advertising or marketing with the long game especially 
um, if you're, you know, a brand that's going to have staying power. Right. Um, you know, the poor, the, the Daewoo people, when they had made that car, they weren't in the long game because... I mean, maybe somebody had a Daewoo poster on their on their wall, but they can't have that anymore because that car doesn't exist. No, well, that's what I was thinking. Like, <laughs> so I was watching. It was Manchester City versus Manchester United, which is like a huge soccer game in England. Having me on Sunday morning, and I turned it on, and like just in the scoreboard, top right was Mercedes Benz, and I was thinking like from a like our perspective, like digital marketing, where we're like sending out these reports and it's like, here's the ROI from this spend we did. And like, we got six leads from this campaign. I was like, nobody's calling Mercedes Benz. Like I saw your logo during the soccer game and now I want to buy a car. (laughs) Right. I'm like, that's not the, I was thinking about it. I was like, but they understand that that's not the point. The point is that their name is in front of people when they're sitting, when they're actively engaging with the TV. And that's all they want is that for people to remember Mercedes Benz. That's it. What did we talk about? I feel like we talked about maybe on a podcast, maybe just briefly wasn't like the full topic about um, it was during the World Cup with Nike versus Adidas yeah. and their sponsorship of soccer teams and. Right. Um, and they're selling, they're selling, I mean, Nike and Adidas are selling gear during, uh, yeah. the world cup. I mean, that's, they're, they're selling. <laughs> right. I mean, you're going to buy your Jersey of the, the team that you align yourself with, but right. it's still, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, that's still that nostalgia. So kind of creating that. Right. Like Americans. You're not thinking like when you're buying your cutter Jersey, you're not like thinking about, oh, that's an Adidas cutter Jersey or that's a Nike cutter Jersey. You're just like, that's a cutter Jersey. But at the end right. of the day. You know that it's got the Adidas logo on it. I don't know. I could be wrong. I'm not right. sure if it's Adidas Cutter. or not. Cutter. I just know Cutter. They're, they're hosting the next World Cup. Well, See, I, I knew yeah. I knew Cutter and soccer. I yep. think because they're like this person that I like. Their, their kids are really into soccer, and I feel like I remember she had like bought a Cutter jersey for her. Yeah. Her child at some point. So that that's that was my first point. Is just build your brand and build it hard because it works really well when people. If they I like know. that you censored yourself a little bit. Yeah. You're like, fucking hard. Yeah, exactly. Build it fucking hard because it works really well. And even if those people who are seeing your brand today and tomorrow and the next day don't need what you sell, they might on that fourth day and they'll think like, what was that ad I saw? Or, oh yeah, I recognize this name. And that's going to work in your favor. And that's like marketing as old as time, you know. That's before the, well, the, it was the like Facebook campaigns. You have to campaigns. see it so many times and hear it so many times right. and read it so many times before it sticks and becomes a household name or whatever there's right there's numbers if you go and... a certain period of time without seeing it then it'll be out of your head so yeah that's just the way it works so my next my next point was share your values which is something that nike and penzies and ben and jerry's have done a good job of doing because that's something that people can align themselves with the brand because we've we've said these statistics over and over again where it's like you alienate half, but then the other half is twice more likely to buy your products. So or like really... Rihanna not wanting to do the halftime show for right. the Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly, because their treatment of Colin Kaepernick. So, I mean, it's something where if you if you do that, sure, you might alienate some people, but you're also going to really galvanize some other people. Um, and we've like, you touched on it. We've touched on it a thousand times this podcast, but something politicians do really well is sharing their values because that's the point of them. (laughs) Um, all the ads, all their TV appearances, everything, um, they're, they're talking about what they stand for and their values and oftentimes what their opponent stands for and their values. It's hard to, you know, it's really hard to find a political candidate who has a one for one value stance 
for everything for every single thing you, so yeah you know as a person as a voter you you kind of have to pick those one or two things that are really important to you and then find the people who align there and then kind of try to filter down to to find it but i mean you kind of have to do the same thing with a brand or to choose to not use a brand you right. know you either love how well tide gets stains out or you love the fact that they sponsor your favorite nascar driver right i mean you might hate nascar but <laughs> you love the stain fighting power, power of tide yeah it's it's a hard it's a hard line to tow <laughs> or drive i remember as a kid there was a tide nascar car and i liked it because i i watched nascar as a kid because jeff gordon had a rainbow on his car and i liked the colors and then the tide car had like some pretty colors on it too so i got into nascar for a little bit um so that's why 24 is my favorite number for Jeff Gordon. Anyway, that's a fun fact about me. That's a weird fact. Um, so anyway, and then the next point was make media appearances. So get in, get on TV, not just in an advertising format, but get on a TV, like make some news and get on TV, get in the local um, newspaper, get in a digital article or something like that that's relevant. I know we've talked about that. Yeah, writing a press release about yourself. Right, yeah. You know, don't be afraid that shameless self-promotion is, it sucks and it's hard to do. And brands obviously hire people to do it for them, as do political candidates. Right. Um, but there just comes a time when you can't play the, the coy card. Um, you know, it's, it's okay to be humble, but at some point you just kind of have to put yourself out there. Right. And tell people how great you are because... You know, it's not often that you're going to have people out there yeah, coming just to telling you. you yeah, like, please e- tell me how great you are. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, and it's just... easier It's easier for politicians because they're news, no matter what they do, and for local all the way to national, they're going to get coverage. But businesses can do the same thing. I mean, you know, we've talked about the BuzzFeed articles where it talks about the best products on Amazon or, you oh, know, yeah. all sorts of different things like that that you can do you can, where you just need to find your niche to get in and... Uh, figure out where your audience is consuming news, what they're reading, what they're watching, what they're listening to, et cetera. I just had a, I just had a client meeting where like two minutes after sitting down and listening to them, I was like, gosh, we have to find a way to get them on a Buzzfeed list. Like there has to be a way to get this. Like, yeah, I'm sure there's ways that you can submit news ideas and stuff to Buzzfeed. I'm sure they're looking for that all the time because they're pumping out so much content. Yeah. And I actually read an article today about it. I don't think it was even while I was doing research, but it was just somebody who wrote an article for Buzzfeed. Actually, maybe it was, um, but it was, they contributed a post about, it was about like what the 2016, it was, it was this, because it was about what 2016 candidates would look like with beards. So like they submitted like this random piece, they wanted to do it for their work, but they couldn't, like their work wouldn't let them do anything political. So this guy just submitted to BuzzFeed and um, his targeted, like he targeted like BuzzFeed readers who were also like, like politics. And like one other thing, it was like a really... That's that's something that's really nice about social advertising. Um, whether you're a candidate or a brand is the ability to target um, a little bit more closely to the mm-hmm. type of people that you think will engage with your content. Um, but it was, he said, like, he was like, you know, so I hit the send button or the publish button within, you know, thinking like, oh, within a couple hours, I hope to see some headway. And it was like within the first two minutes, it was wow. just like totally blowing up and like, yeah. like became this huge successful like fun kind of campaign um 
you know, wishing you could have put some like meat around right. yeah. <laughs> what it actually was. And then, you know, that's one of those things like maybe is like employer at that point was like kicking themselves for not oh, shit. <laughs> like yeah. not lining or letting, letting them use that. But right. Well, and it's those, the, it's fun to get your name on TV. It's fun to be in the newspaper. It's fun to be in that digital space, but it's fun to have things... one of your tweets on a hello giggles listicle. Exactly. But all of these things really strongly influence people. Like, I cannot tell you how influential, like, TV news is. And it's still, like, everyone's like, oh, everyone's cutting the cable. We get our news online now, blah, blah, blah. But, like, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, all those places are super-duper influential, especially with politics. I mean, uh, Vox articles are super influential. Like, a BuzzFeed article is super influential for all their readers. So if you can get yourself and align yourself with those type of things, if that's where your audience is... That can be a huge, huge success and could be the tipping point from you being like, a, you know, just treading water to really like getting ab- above and above and beyond what your goals were. Um, so don't be afraid to get those media appearances and seek them out because most of the time media isn't going to seek you out, especially as a company. Um, so do what you can to to get there and seek out those appearances. And then my last point, I haven't written down third, but I wanted to talk about it last because it's uh kind of the Trumpiest of, of points here. And it's something, well, it's been in politics for a while, but I think Trump does it, does it really well, um, is control the narrative. So when you have a negative or something bad that happens to you, or someone puts out an attack ad, like um, your friend who, your, your acquaintance who ran, she said, I'm not going to run these attack ads uh, back. So that in that case, she was taking the narrative back and saying, I'm above this, I'm not going to do it, blah, blah, blah. But a lot of times, and what I think sucks and what everyone hates about it, um, po- political season, but I think it really works because they do it so much, is if you get attacked in one ad, you attack right back in the yeah, other and they ad. Run, and they run back to back. Right. I mean... So, like, this guy sucks. No, wait. This girl sucks. And here's why. And, you know, so you're finding these things. And I think yeah, that... this guy's going to be the treasurer, but, you know, he wants to be the treasurer. And the next ad is like, this guy was the treasurer. He wants to be treasurer, but he hasn't paid his taxes. And right. You know, 2008. Like, well, shit. Exactly. So if someone comes at you, talk shit right back. And I think I was trying to wrap my head around. That's something you pretty much never see. And sometimes like in, in business marketing. So sometimes in like car commercials, they'll run like side by side. Like, you know, we're BMW and Mercedes Benz isn't going to give you that. And it's like, we have all these awards and they have none. And it's like, they, yeah. there's like, you You'll see, a, see like hair care products every now and then. I'll be like... You'll see the bottle that's like maybe the same color as like right. a shampoo that you recognize, and they'll like bump it out of the way with like the the bottle right. of like you know what the ad is for. So you kind of know what it is, but yeah, right. they you don't see a lot of that. And I feel like maybe there's some kind of like unwritten rule, or maybe there is some kind of rule. Um, I'm not well, I know, an advertising person, but I, you can use for the most part. You can use, like, other people's logos and stuff like that. Like, I've seen Ford logos and Chevy commercials, Pepsi logos and Coke commercials and stuff like that. But I think people are hesitant to do it because it brings attention to that brand. Yeah, the brand. Um, but I'm thinking myself in particular, where Rentware has not a lot of brand recognition. Um, you know, we're just a small local company. And the one, there's a big, big company in our industry, Cintas, that everyone knows 
So, you know, if you need uniforms, you're like, I got to call CentOS. So I was thinking in our case, like, if we compared ourselves to CentOS in, in one way or another, and, like, we mentioned CentOS, someone saw that logo, I was like, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world because if we're hitting the right audience, they probably already know who CentOS is anyway. So, like, that brand recognition's already there, so it doesn't... It's not giving them, like, a boost where they're just like... Like, if CentOS mentioned Rentware and we're like, we're so much better than Rentware, then people would be like, holy shit, what's Rentware? Like, I got yeah. like that would be, like, the best thing to ever happen to us. <laughs> so We gotta get in there. We gotta find a way to make it happen. But, but if we mentioned them... So I'm thinking about, like, if you have less of a market share than someone else, I think that might be a case where if you can do it the right way, and I don't have have that off the top of my head but if you can do it the right way i think calling out someone who's already bigger than you anyway because it doesn't matter they're already bigger than you they can't get bigger bigger than you so if you can try to compare yourself to them and maybe knock them down a few notches in the in the in the meantime i think that could be a good thing but then the other thing that donald trump and politicians in general and a lot of uh businesses have had to deal with this too is talk about negatives in a positive light so just spin like, so I know that Donald Trump will often talk about, like, just with the elections, he's like, it was a huge win for Republicans. All the candidates that I endorsed won. We took the Senate, got a lot of these key races, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to work with the House and we're going to pass bipartisan stuff. So, like, and what would seem like, you know, Democrats took the House back, like, they won the popular vote in most states and they won some governorships and blah, blah, blah. Like, he basically took it and was like, this is great. This was a great midterm election for us. We did really great. I couldn't be happier with these results. Even though deep down, maybe it's not. It doesn't matter, though. Because now people are just like, well, wait, was that a bad result for Trump? Or was it a referendum on Trump? We don't know. Like, even though the House flipped extreme, like, any other president might be like, well, shoot, like, this stinks, but I'll do my best to work with him. And he's like, this is great, and I'm going to do all these things that are great. And, you know, and it... We, as marketers, I kind of see right through it, but it works really well. And people are like, yeah, well, this is a good move. Like, it's, this uh, this election was great. And you can do that as a company. So if something bad happens to you, you just have to figure out the right way to spin it and talk about it in a, in a positive way. Like, we're going to learn from this. We're going to grow from this. We're going to be so much better, blah, 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 blah. And elections, in some ways, are... A little less meaningful than when BP spills oil and just fucks up the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> um, as much as we want to say elections are super important, sometimes companies can do things that are way more um, meaningful for the future. Um, so it's a little more complicated for the BP exec to say, and say this is great, well, this is the best possible yeah. outcome, but we're going <laughs> to... I mean, just think, you're not going to have to use cooking oil. We're lowering <laughs> cholesterol <laughs> because the shrimp coming out of the Gulf yeah, just are pre-greased. It, covered in oil. It's fun. Right. It's fun. So it's not always Lower easy. your LTLs, guys. Just get it, get it, <laughs> get it straightened out. So the butter not... industry is just... In, <laughs> It's in shambles. Disarray. Suck it, butter. You can't can't trust butter. Right. Um, I had one other point um, that you kind of touched on, but made me think kind of when we're dealing with politicians um, or politics in general, which kind of makes it easy, it's a no brainer, is humanizing um, Mm -hmm. their campaigns and their people. So a lot of times you'll see 
a political ad and it's, you know, whoever with their family or their grandchildren or... Yeah, shaking um, hands, kissing babies, like yeah, like, having dogs. Like Yeah, there was a, there was a gentleman um, who was running... That Ken Harbaugh, Ken Harbaugh, I was talking about his daughter who had had a pre-existing condition, and right. you know he didn't know if they were going to be able to pay for her treatments, and she had four surgeries, and um, so he really like you know he made it personal. So somebody who has kids and their kid could maybe have a pre-existing condition, or maybe they don't have kids yet. Maybe you're pregnant and you don't know or what's going to happen. You just have a kid and who doesn't have it, but you can see through that parent's eye. And yeah, know. absolutely. Or you know somebody. Or have a relative, um, but you know, obviously, it's it's easy for politicians to kind of take that human heartstrings kind of approach, and it's not as easy for a brand because a lot of times a brand is not necessarily yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a not a entity, it's not a human like a thing. Yeah, exactly. It's like so, humanizing. Yeah, so finding a way to to humanize something. Um, I think we talked about this. We well, I know we've talked about this before, like the Olympics and how certain brands like milk or I think. Tide, gosh, Tide, getting all the love so today. So much Tide love. Or Procter and Gamble, or something. It's, it's because we each ate a Tide pod before. This. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, did you see the thing? They have like a new box coming out. It looks like a box of wine. So yeah, we're just the, drinking Tide right tide, out. The Tide boxed wine. Yeah, we're drinking Tide boxed wine today. Yeah, we're slapping the Tide bag. <laughs> this is we're not really drinking. I'm going to give this Alamos Malbec a shout yeah, out you because like this. I good. do. I, yeah, I like it too. It's good. I like Malbecs to begin with, but. This one um, was on sale. I got it a couple weeks ago as well because there was a. I've got this app that I use that, like, it's like you get a rebate back, and after so much, you can cash it in for like Amazon gift cards or PayPal. You should guys should get it. It's called Ibotta. It's pretty awesome. Um, but they had a. It was this. It was a nineteen ninety nine. It was like a twenty dollar bottle of wine. It was marked down already to ten ninety nine. Oh yeah. And then there was best a, way to shop for wine. Right. And then there was a two dollar. <laughs> coupon like two dollar rebate in the app nice so i bought two bottles and i got four dollars back so i pretty much got 8.99 like these bottles from wine were 8.99 each and then i bought a different bottle of wine too that also had a two dollar rebate sweet and i bought some toilet paper and also got some 75 cents back so i'm saving all the money with the coupons but anyway humanizing um you know find a way to humanize your brand find a way to tug at those heartstrings um if you know that you know, your product or service is something that's like families use. So if, you know, say you, you're on the coalition for people to eat more broccoli, you're getting people together, sitting around the table, eating broccoli as a family and tugging on those heartstrings where... Or interview a parent whose kid ate broccoli and then all of a sudden was really good at baseball. Right. Or, you know, finding, like, you've seen, like, those That's ways. That's not like, a thing. But... Finding ways to, like, you know, working with with bloggers or with celebrities makes me think about, like, Jerry Seinfeld's wife put that cookbook together where she, like, hides Is vegetables. I don't know. It was, like, Jerry Seinfeld's wife at the time. Okay. Seinfeld. I forget her name. But she was, like, she made this cookbook. Mrs. Seinfeld. Mrs. Seinfeld. <laughs> no, she's her own person. I don't... I feel bad that I just, like, associated with her with Jerry Seinfeld's wife, but... Well, we weren't planning on talking about her, so off the top of your yeah, head. Yeah, I don't remember her name, but it's she not, wrote a cookbook where she, like, hides vegetables in, like, everyday foods. So it's, like, a whole cookbook about, like, hiding vegetables. Hmm. We'll have to look that up. Yeah. Do you join? Do we need to hide vegetables for you? <laughs> oh, no. I just was thinking about cooking good food, but also interspersing vegetables. 
Like today, like we had the beef tips, with, but there was like green beans and stuff like that in there. Yeah. Yeah. So. I couldn't tell if those were cooked with the beef tips or if that was like a separate thing and then they were just added after the fact. It was good though. Yeah. It was really good. I was pretty pumped about it. Yeah. I'm happy to eat any meal that someone prepares for me. So. Yeah. Anyway. So, but yeah, I, I like that idea of humanizing it. With, like you said, with politics, it's easy. They get on TV and they're a human. They talk about it. But they humanize their constituents. They, they relate to you. They bring on those people with those stories. It's like, my daughter has pre-existing conditions and... You know, candidate X doesn't help me, but candidate Y really yeah. does. There was and, a lot of, like, opioid... Um, right, especially in Ohio. In Ohio, things, you know, like, lots of lots of um, campaigns around that. Um, so, but, yeah, I mean, relate locally, too, I think is a good one, because that's something that politicians, like, a president will... A presidential co- uh, candidate will try to win the whole country, but they're running different ads in Ohio versus New York or something like that, I'm sure. I, I'm not in New York to see the ads, but I know that they're doing these different. <laughs> no, they, so like, I'm pretty sure they are. Yeah, but I know that you know you got to make sure if you're a national brand and that, not running the ads again because they're doing research, which is something that maybe we didn't talk about. But politicians are doing tons of research oh, in areas all the time, and they're and using they know, polls. They know that like, I know like when you're like in deep in the heart of Mike Pence country, that they're not pushing out ads that hard because. They're in Mike Pence country, and they don't need yeah, to. Yeah, they don't need to, right. So they're not spending as much money targeting that area, and they're not, you know, visiting, you know, it's it's crazy how many times candidates and, um, you know, the president and tons of people visited um, Ohio during this midterm. I think we saw tons of things where celebrities were in Georgia. Right. Um, that was a huge race. You saw people like Oprah, Will Ferrell. Yeah, um, stumping for the Democratic candidate, and then Mike Pence came down and was like, "Hey, I'm a celebrity too." And there was funny memes about that for days <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, about Mike Mike Pence coming down and you know having that weird flex <laughs> about being a celebrity. But weird flex, but okay. Yeah, it's pretty much was that's how it was met. <laughs> um, but well, and, I, and that can bite you too. So there's there's part of you know knowing where to, where to spend your money and knowing where you already got it in the bag. But I think it bit Hillary Clinton a little bit by not going to places like Wisconsin and Michigan, like kind of thinking like these are Dem states. So don't forget about your base audience either. I mean, that's kind of that. Why is Mercedes Benz sponsoring this soccer game? Because they want their they want eyes on their their brand, even though people already know who they are. Hillary Clinton was like, people in Michigan know who I am. They know what I stand for. They're going to vote for me. But she just was never there. And Trump was. And that was just kind of how it went because their Trump was top of mind. He was saying the things they wanted to hear and she yeah. just wasn't there at all. Just thinking that she had it. So makes that's, that goes back to that brand thing is even if you think you already, these people know who you are or they're not going to buy your product, them knowing your name and your name staying in front of them is still, yeah, when it comes time of, to buy laundry value. soap. Mm-hmm. Right, are you exactly. going to buy Tide or are you going to buy? Who are you going to buy? Tide busters. I'm gonna buy. <laughs> I can't. I don't use Tide either. <laughs> and all that. <laughs> anyway, laundry detergents, uniforms, cell phones, wine. wine. Although I think there's Barefoot does a pretty good job with wine brand, and then Don Perignon for champagne. But I feel like there's like a 
Barefoot's regarded you just, like, as went, cheap. Like, totally. Yeah, I was like, you just went opposite end of the spectrum there. With... I know. Barefoot's regarded as cheap, so I'm wondering, like, there's, and then I don't know of, like, a wine in, like, the middle where I'm like, yes, this brand I buy. I just look for, like, pricing um, and, like, labeling. I think about, like, I don't know. I, I guess it depends on what your middle of the road price point is as far as wines, because, like, technically, you know, like, I like stand by fifth... the, like, I stand by the, like, twelve ninety nine to, like, no, like flying nine. horse maybe no like i'm saying like with with my wine threshold of, of buying like i would be hard pressed to buy a 1999 bottle of wine but there are other people who are probably like right. yeah, yeah there's nothing wrong with buying a 1999 bottle of wine like i'm excited i would buy a 20 dollar bottle of wine for 10 dollars like you right know. yeah i did um <laughs> that's what i'm about but now that i've had this like I don't know. Oh, like, I not, really like it. If it's not on sale, like, and I really like if I'm going somewhere and I want to take some like a nice hostess gift and I want to like yeah, up my fun. game a little bit, I would probably consider buying that and taking it somewhere um, as a gift for somebody. I it's like the Argentina. I like the label Malbec. too. I was I don't read the words. I just look at oh. the pictures. Oh well, <laughs> just small bucks typically are going to be from Argentina. All right. So anyway, but yeah. Um, if you take away nothing from this podcast, small bucks are from Argentina. Yeah, they are. I don't know if all Malbecs are, but I think that most... The good ones. I think the good ones are. Oh, yeah. Um, don't Cry For Me. Is that what it's called? Mm, that's a song. That's Evita. Never mind. Don't worry about it. No. Oh, okay. All right, well... <sighs> On that note... Anyway, I finished my list, but yeah, I think... I finished my wine. <laughs> but yeah, there you go. <laughs> Build your brand, share your values, um, control the narrative, and make media appearances. All those things. And humanize. And humanize. All those things are super important. Politicians do them very well. Even, so even a losing candidate, like, does, like, if a brand could garner the attention of a losing candidate, that would be amazing. So, like, a winning candidate would be even better, you know? So, they all just do it really well. Those political strategists should get into marketing. Big bucks to be made. Anyway, this is Drunk Marketing. I'm Chelsea. I'm Connor. Cheers. Cheers.